on, FA Nation? Welcome back. Dan Malin here, joined as always by the FSWA three-time NASCAR writer, the writer of the year, Matt Sells. It is uh, Saturday morning, depending on where you all are. It And uh, we have rain, torrential rain, at Auto Club Speedway pretty much all day Saturday. So Matt and I are recording this after it's been announced that practice and qualifying has been canceled for both the Cup and Xfinity Series, and the lineups have pretty much been set by the metric. Matt, before we dive into the DFS pool, how are you, and what did you think of Daytona last week? Uh, I'm good. I thought Daytona was a pretty good race overall. Um, I got my voice out on the uh, commercial issues on Twitter, so we don't have to dive into that. It's been pretty well beaten to a dead horse. Um but I thought overall it was a pretty good race. A uh, little sad I didn't have that much Ricky Stenhouse because uh, he just shows up when you least expect it. Um, but yeah, I, you know, uh, it was it was pretty good. The started out a little <laughs> a little calmer than I think everybody thought it would. Um, but now heading into uh, Fontana and Auto Club Speedway for the Palette Casino 400. Would I have liked to have practice in qualifying? Sure. Absolutely. Um, Because seeing the cars on track is always uh, a good idea before we set DFS lineups. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Weird, weird weather week we've got going on. We've got blizzard warnings in San Diego, and it's 75 degrees in New York in the middle of February. So, it very <laughs> go home, Mother Nature. You're drunk. Um, but in this podcast, uh, for those that uh, hadn't heard previously, we're switching them to Saturdays, unless, of course, it's like Talladega or Daytona, um, so that we can give you more informed opinions on what we're doing with our builds. But we're also not going to dive all that deep into a lot of different drivers because we have the playbook coming out. Saturdays as well. So what we're going to do in this one, we're going to give you some some strategies, how we see the slate, guys that we might be avoiding, whether we're leaning into chalk, avoiding chalk, what contests we're playing. Uh, we might talk some specific guys, but overall not like a full driver breakdown like we typically do, because you can just pair this with the playbook and get all the uh, get all the knowledge you need. So we'll just dive in. Um, we were talking about this right before we started recording. There's there's no practice. There's no qualifying. Obviously, we'd like to get cars on track. But more importantly, I'm worried about the lack of rubber. Basically, if you get Xfinity and Cub doing practice and qualifying and then the Xfinity Series race on Saturday, which is now more than likely going to be moved until Sunday, uh, Sunday night, <clears throat> there's going to be no rubber on the track. It's really just you hope that these guys roll off the truck with the right setup um last year when we were previewing fontana we thought that this is going to be the very first look at what we should expect from the next gen car and obviously the chevys looks good the fords had their ups and downs um kyle larson won the race even though he didn't really he maybe had like the fifth or sixth best car the toyotas had air filter um airflow issues all day long they were overheating yes but th- that's a team, and, and those two teams did come on strong as the season progressed, and they finished very well with, you know, Homestead, uh, Darlington as well. I guess what I'm getting to is, you know, the lineup is set by the metric. We're just kind of hoping that the drivers that we target roll off with the right setup. Are you playing cash games with all the chalk that's in the back? Because earlier this week in the Discord channel, I essentially posted what is going to be the chalk cash lineup. 
Um, I'm not playing cash. I'm mostly just going to play the Chrome Horn because I don't like the no practice, no qualifying. That's just me. Um, I will save my money for next week at Vegas while still getting exposure to this. But I just think it's why play cash games if you're only going to get maybe 50 to 60% ROI if that chalk lineup hits. Yeah, um, on the uh, Fantasy Alarm show on Friday afternoon when I went on with Howard and Jim, uh, I stated that if I'm playing cash, it's got to be a huge double up or 50-50. It's got to be like the biggest cash uh, contest you can find simply to give yourself more wiggle room to hit the money line and at least get a little bit more back. Um, I've seen the same chalky cash lineup. Uh, on Twitter about nine times this week since prices dropped, given that, like, you know, prices dropped on Wednesday, right? So yeah. people started looking at things, and the forecast was known. We all pretty well expected it to be a washout on Saturday. So people started building, and I've seen literally nine different, uh, you know, NASCAR colleagues of ours tweeting the same lineup independently of each other that they built on on. DK. So if I'm going to play cash, it's got to be a huge cash tournament or, ca you know, huge cash contest. Um, as for GPPs, are you playing large field or smaller field like single entry or three entry max ones? Uh, so I'm only going to be doing the Chrome Horn. So that's the $4 20 max. It is still large field. Okay. Um, I think it's like 10 or 20K to first. Uh, that's the only one I'm doing this week. Um, just because of the, the circumstances surrounding this particular schedule this weekend. And even for Xfinity, I'm only doing the $1.20 max for the happy hour. Um, <laughs> that's a series that every time I play cash, I'm always banging my head against the wall asking why I decided <laughs> to play cash for Xfinity. So without practice and qualifying, I have less confidence in uh, a lot of those teams rolling off with the right setup. So I'm only throwing 20 bucks. Uh, at DK for the Xfinity race, but I'll, I'll max enter the Chrome Horn and, and see what happens. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm debating whether or not I should play smaller field GPPs with single entry or three entry max ones to kind of avoid lineup trains, mm -hmm. or if I should play the larger, like I think the 150 max enter ones are going to be nothing but a lineup train fest. Like, I think people are going to enter basically the same two or three lineups and just do it 150 times. Yeah. And so you're not going to get like any, like there's a hundred thousand dollar to first contest on DK this week. I would be shocked if the winner of that actually gets a hundred thousand. Like, I think it's going to be split a huge amount of ways. Um, so I'm kind of leaning more towards the one, the single entry or the three entry max contests um just because i feel like there's less chance of somebody taking 50 of their lineups and just entering the same lineup because if that lineup hits then they get a like a bigger return right right um so that's kind of how i'm looking at it this week um in terms of contest selection but i'm way more open to gpps because i think you can get a little bit more creative with GPP builds than, than cash. Um, Do we just want to dive into like the chalk that's absolutely starting at the back and well, what we should be setting our exposures to? Well, so first let's talk a little bit about Auto Club. It is a high okay. tire wear track. 
Uh, it's the oldest surface in NASCAR at this point, I believe, unless Darlington is. Darlington might be a little older, but um, Auto Club and Darlington are very close in terms of tire wear and whatnot. If you're looking for a comparable track, Michigan is exactly a duplicate of Auto Club Speedway, a little higher banking, um, less tire wear at Michigan than Auto Club, but it's the same two miles. And if you're looking for additional stats than what I'm providing in the playbook or whatnot, where you ask me, you know, this guy ran well here last year, I'm actually going to look at what happened to compar- at comparable tracks in the second half of last year rather than what happened at Auto Club uh, last year because this was the first race in the next-gen car that we could actually take anything from because Daytona is always a wild card. doesn't matter what the package is. Yeah. The car it doesn't teams got better throughout the year right like kevin harvick was so so here last year but then he won michigan and then he did really well at darlington right eric jones was fast here yes but then he was also really good at darlington okay um but the toyotas got way faster as the year went on mm-hmm. the fords tended to get faster as the year went on right so whatever they found as the year went on last year they're going to put in the car this year, because now they have that base of knowledge. We also had tire issues last year. We had tires go flat. Guys got stuck and were like four laps down because they couldn't figure out how to jack a car up to fix a tire at the start of last year. Um, so in terms of that stuff, we're looking more towards the second half of last year rather than finish position um, for this exact race last year, which is a little different than we normally do, but it's you know, those circumstances. So tire wear is going to play a big role. Uh, guys that can take care of their tires over the long run are going to be better here than normal. Uh, and uh, we are still concerned about weepers for Sunday because uh, it's an old track and there's a lot of water falling on it. And Pocker says they figure it's going to take about three hours to dry the track. Um, so expect some weeper cautions tomorrow they're gonna have to cut the uh the track open and let water come out from behind it so all that to uh you know set up who do we think the chalk is this week and whether we're leaning into it or straight up avoiding it well i think that we can i think we can just openly talk about this this chalk cash lineup only because uh we've seen it all over twitter I posted it in Discord. It is basically Chase Elliott, William Byron, Tyler Reddick, Eric Jones, Chase Briscoe, and Justin Haley. Leaves you with $400 left over in salary. They are all starting. P29 is Justin Haley, but like, you know, Chase Briscoe is P31, Byron P32, Elliott 33, Jones 34, and Tyler Reddick is P35. Uh, It is essentially just a PD build. All these guys in cash games should be at least 80% owned if I'm, and I, when I, just based on what I've seen in Xfinity and truck cash lineups, whenever you get just an easy PD play starting the yeah, you plug them in. And because of that, they're probably going to be 80 to 90% owned. It wouldn't surprise me one Tyler Reddick's probably going to be at least 92% owned in cash games. The thing is, is like, you're not getting any leverage with this lineup. Like you are playing like, and you can say like, well, if Justin Haley wrecks, like, so what he's hurting 80% of the lineups. And I'm like, Sure, but you're basically building this lineup and plugging it into double ups, assuming that you're only going to get 50 to 60 percent ROI because that is just how popular this stupid lineup is going to be. Yep, 
it's a stack back strategy for cash, which we don't usually say at an intermediate. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, for a tournament, like which chalk of these six drivers, and maybe even anyone else that's starting towards the back, because you know other drivers starting outside the top twenty include Kyle Busch, P twenty one, Ty Gibbs, Harrison Burton, Todd Gillen, Michael McDowell, Ryan Priest, and Austin Dillon. Um, this is this is what happens when you set a lineup based on what happens at Daytona the week before. Yeah, so I guess here's my question for you. Would you be comfortable swapping Kyle Busch for Chase Elliott in a cash lineup? Uh, based on the setup that Richard Childress Racing had for the eight car last year, yeah, I think I'd, I'd be okay with that. Okay, what about Larson for Elliott in a cash lineup? No. Because I think we discussed before the pod why I'm not that excited about playing Larson this year. And I think that a lot of, or I didn't mean this year, but this weekend. Um, but a lot of people are just going to jump to Larson because he won this race a year ago when he he didn't have the best car. Um, and overall, it did just seem like a relatively down year for Kyle Larson. And people are going to look at him as a driver with win, equi- win equity, which he does have. They're going to see the position differential. I just don't know how viable the top line is going to be until the third stage of the race. So here's my question. To hit 5X, which is what we're looking for in a typical cash build, right? He needs 54 points. He can get that without leading very many laps. I know. That's the... He basically does it with a top three finish and no dominator points. Right. So that's that's what I'm wondering. Like, do you pivot from now? Chase still has higher upside because he's starting 15 spots, 18 spots further back. But if you want to get a little less chalky, you could swap out Larson or Elliot for Larson and still have money because they're only $300 difference. So. I'm with you. I also don't think I'm playing Larson in a GPP. I think that I could probably see myself. Yeah. You need him to get Dominator points. Correct. You don't want 5X from him in in a GPP. You want closer to like 7X. Right. And 7X at 10.8 is what? Another 20 75, 76. Yeah, 75 or so points. And to do that, he's got to lead a chunk of laps or get, an, like, a bunch of fastest laps. Plus, you need the PD, right? Um, so there is concern that he's going to wear his tires out faster trying to get the top groove to come in because he didn't have the chance to wear it in in practice or have the Xfinity guys go and work it in. Um, so there is that concern for me with Larson. So I'm with you. I mean, is he in the playbook? Yes. I can't not put him in the playbook. He's two mile Kyle. But does that mean that I have a whole lot of shares of him? No. Not so much. Have you done your playbook yet or no? Uh, I have picked the drivers, most of them. I mean, for me, when I was writing the Xfinity playbook, I could say, like, it was hard to not put 
basically everyone in the field. Like I wanted to write up Josh Berry and Sam Mayer more because they're gonna. I think they're Josh Berry is especially because like he's always a dark horse candidate to win. Right. And he's also just starting just inside the top twenty. But then again, there's like there's Ross Chastain who's starting dead last for the Xfinity Series race. Well, so here's my question about that. Because if it's a double, excuse the background noise, I'm putting in a cough drop, um, getting over her cold. Um, if it's truly a double header, Chastain's running the cup race. Do you have any concern about fatigue for some of the guys doing the, the double header? I don't think I'd want to put fatigue in it. Like I'm more concerned just about the equipment that Chastain's going to be in for the Xfinity race. It's not bad equipment and he's a really good driver and obviously he can still pilot his way through the field and get that car to finish, you know, between 10th and 15th. I just wonder if the DGM car that he's going to be in, if, if that can maybe be a top five car, can he like somehow win with that car? Because last year he ran three road courses, and I understand road courses are a completely different animal. He ran three road courses with DGM and only had one top five, and then the other two finishes were outside the top ten. So I have faith in him. I think he'll be fine. Um, and and we still don't know like if it's actually going to be a doubleheader tomorrow night. Uh, so I don't think I'm going to weigh fatigue too much. And for what it's worth, Tyler Reddick and also Austin Dillon are also running the Xfinity race Uh whenever it's rescheduled so i'm not really weighing fatigue so much um and he still made my xfinity playbook and i think he's great for cash games but i would try to be underweight for tournaments i just think it's a good leverage spot it's basically you know he is what chase elliott and kyle larson uh william byron and tyler loretic he is what they will be for the cup race i think denny hamlin's in a great uh, leverage spot in the upper tier. And I can't wait to play Denny because I think that you're getting win equity there. I think a lot of people will be scared away by how bad the Toyotas were here a week ago or a year ago, not a week ago. Um, so I, I love Denny Hamlin. I think he's starting P13 to potentially. Yes. There's PD, obviously, but I think that there's enough win equity uh, and, uh, you know, he can manage tires pretty well. Yeah, I think there's a few sneaky guys starting in the top 10. Uh, for the Cup Series. I think Kevin Harvick is a guy that's not getting a lot of chatter. So here's the thing. I actually wanted to ask you this when we were talking about the track. Uh, Sorry to cut you off. but So we talked about the comparable tracks being Homestead and Darlington, but also... And Michigan. Michigan. Homestead and Darlington in terms of like track and tire wear and all that. But there are also like shorter high tire wear tracks like Dover and Richmond. And Kevin Harvick won Richmond last year. He would dominate the old Atlanta setup when Atlanta had arguably the oldest right. surface. And so do we just kind of have to give Kevin Harvick recognition just because like it's it's his DGF tour uh, and historically he's been great on high tire wear tracks in general. Yep, that's basically my play with with Harvick. I wrote him up uh, as a bet. I think he's going off at 20 to one on DK uh, or was as of Friday afternoon. Um He's just really good at getting the most out of his car in high tire wear situations. He won at Michigan. That's where they started to show the speed. Um, Did really well at Darlington. Um, You know, won a shorter but still high tire wear track in Richmond. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm going with with Harvick. Plus, I think you get a little bit of leverage. He's starting 10th. 
So it's not like <clears throat> it's not like he has to do anything spectacular. He's basically mid tier. He's only eighty five hundred. That's he's right. just above the average price tag. So if he moves up like three spots, you get value out of him. Like, <laughs> like why wouldn't I look at Kevin Harvick at that point? Um, one guy that I think you and I are split on maybe is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Oh, I don't think we're split. So he's starting second. Yeah. But I'm not intrigued by him at, at all. I point. think we're on the same boat just for different reasons. Yeah. So the reason I am has nothing to do with his driving ability or the car, which is clearly good enough to win a race since he just won Daytona. But having won Daytona, the man has gotten almost no sleep this week. If you follow him on Twitter, he was out partying for a while. He went to Waffle House like in the middle of the morning. He had an early morning interview the following day at the track with Fox Sports. Then he went and did the morning shows in New York like they typically do. And then he went to Chicago to go do promotional stuff for the Chicago road race. Um, and that's not a lot of sleep, nor is it a lot of time to get in the simulator and prep with his team and whatever else. And I just didn't really like the car at high tire wear tracks last year either, but more so it's he was gifted a P2 starting spot because he did well last week. And he may hold the spot for a little bit to start the race, but I, I, I'm not sure he winds up finishing in the top 10. <clears throat> I just, um, I think, the, I mean, the pros with Stenhouse are going to be that the team nailed this setup here last year. The car was great. He worked his way up to the field, I think, twice, and he, and he secured a good finish. I just, when I'm looking at this from, I guess, a race flow perspective, with all the guys that are coming up uh, from behind him, and given the right. fact that, you know, he could lead early on in this race, even though I'm I'm more confident in Christopher Bell dominating yeah. the first stage. But there is a very narrow path to optimal lineup for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. this week, just because he's starting second. 7100 is a great price tag. Um, I just don't know. I, I it's I'm basically just trying to say like it's far more likely and everybody would agree with this that he's going to go backward and probably finish outside the top 10 and just cost you points with the negative pd um when there are guys priced around him like jones and briscoe as we've already talked about um but then you know we also have ryan priest and you know i could i'd probably just go with those guys over him and just look for pd and then you know find cheaper guys that i think can go ahead and and get some dominator points I would agree. I would agree on that. I think there's a better shot um, for C. Bell at 9,500 to hit value than there is for Stenhouse at 7,100 to hit value, even though they're starting next to each other. Um, I'm trying to look up last year's race because I, I think we when we discussed before the podcast that Austin Cindric was in the exact same spot that Stenhouse is in this week. I'm just trying to see how his day went last year at Fontana. Yeah, if I remember correctly, he got he had some tire issues or a pit. Started first, finished twelfth, one fastest lap to his name. You know, ninety four point three driver rating, but still on the front row, finished outside the top ten. Probably, if I'm guessing, was priced around the same as Stenhouse is this week. So, 
I don't know. It, great leverage spot, but I'd feel better if he was starting maybe fourth or fifth row. I don't love that he's on the front row and he's more than likely going backwards. Yeah, and by the way, if you look at um, the uh, total speed ratings across intermediate tracks last year, which includes things like green flag speed, early speed in a run, late speed in a run, stuff like that. In the top five, you have three Toyotas in Bell, Hamlin, and Truex across intermediate tracks last year. So as the year went on, Toyotas found their speed at the intermediate tracks, which Auto Club counts as. Um, So, you know, everybody wants to make a whole lot out of Chase Elliott getting rubbed up on by Kyle Larson in this race last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to be honest, Chase Elliott was lucky to be in that position because the speed throughout the race was not actually that great. Was he even that good uh, in general on high tire work tracks last year? Not really. Yeah. Not really. I mean, he was at he was better at Darlington, mm-hmm. but it wasn't it wasn't a great year. Like if you look at Auto Club, he was twenty sixth in total speed. If you look at Darlington, he was tenth. If you look at Michigan, he was twentieth. Second Darlington, he was twentieth. Um, Vegas, which isn't a high tire wear track, but it's you know. A similar setup to Auto Club, twenty fourth. Um, so it was kind of, I mean, in general, it was kind of a down year for Chase Elliott. If we're going to be honest, he it didn't feel like he was ever that dominant. But, um, but yeah, so I'm on board with looking in the second half of last year who found speed and using that data. As opposed to, hey, this guy ran really well here last year. But what you don't know is he took advantage of pit strategy, 14 dudes having tire issues. And, you know, the choose rule to go gain some spots. So, um, so yeah, um, that that's kind of how I'm looking at this. But in some respects, we have to play into some of the chalk. Oh, can't completely avoid. That was basically going to be my next question was, you know, we have these four drivers starting outside the top 30. Um, you you have know, how many of them? Are, I'm, I'm assuming you have to play like two of them in your in your GPP lineups. And even if you're getting off of like Chase Elliott and William Byron, that probably just pushes more ownership. Like Eric Jones's ownership in tournaments is going to be. He might be the highest least, owned guy in tournaments. Very true. He could be at least 40% owned, maybe even upwards of 50% owned. And if anything goes wrong with his car, and if you're underweight, that's great leverage for you. Yeah. So it's a little tricky for me to figure out the the cash or, or the chalk, rather, that I'm going to be at lower ownership mm-hmm. of. Um, in general, I think I'm probably going to be lower than the field on Chase. Um, just because he tends to have inflated ownership because he's the most popular driver. And yeah. folks that don't normally play <laughs> are just like, I know this guy. I'm going to put him in and I get good starting spot. Um, but I think there are a few other guys like Kyle Bush and Kyle Larson that you could swap in for Chase Elliott that doesn't drastically change your build. Um 
and still gives you paths to optimal. Uh, I think Tyler Reddick is going to be a very popular play at 35th. Very much so. Um, him and Jones could very could end up being the two highest zone drivers. Um, yeah. Just with... because he's known to be a guy that like they can really wheel it when the tires start to to go. Yeah. That's Tyler Reddick's ability, but he also doesn't need the high line to be fast. Not that Kyle Larson necessarily does either, but if you're thinking high line, you go right to Kyle Larson and a little bit less Tyler Reddick. Um, so I think Byron might, might be the sneaky guy starting 32nd. trying to find him oh 8900 yeah and he's way too cheap even before we knew the lines you texted me in the middle of the week when salaries came out and you're just like get ready for chalk reddick and, and chalk byron just based on that is too cheap for those two drivers and now they're both starting outside the top 30 and they have an easy path for hell six x byron had arguably was right there with larson in terms of speed last year at auto club until ironically both reddick and byron wrecked uh last year at auto club Actually, he was, if you look at the total speed rating, Byron was ahead of. Byron and Jones were 1-2 in total speed. I think there's another guy that's that's not getting any talk. And he's starting at the top 10. I think, Blaney? I think Blaney may be the lowest owned 10K driver. Probably. How did he do on high tire wear last year? He was quite fast here uh, at Kansas, which is a similar track in terms of, like, being able to drive multiple lines and whatever. He was eighth fastest in total speed. Um, Darlington, he was ninth fastest in total speed. Kansas, too, was fifth fastest. Um, he led over 100 laps at Richmond last year. but finished. Homestead, he was seventh fastest. He was fast everywhere, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, he just had no luck. He had a bad pit stop <laughs> is the problem that that cost him finish position last year. But mm. the fact that he brought that car, like, did you see pictures of his car after the Daytona 500? Yeah, it was being held together by duct tape, and he somehow finished, what, eighth? Something like that. It was ridiculous. Like, I was like, there's no way. It was this almost like when, when Eric Jones won the clash a couple of years ago when Denny Hamlin very, pretty much was a lap down and just decided to push him. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Like, <laughs> put I it in the I put in Discord like five different times that Blaney was done for the day. And every time I turned up, the, the, <laughs> the 12 was still <laughs> on the track. And I was like, ow. <laughs> this is ridiculous. So, um, are there any yeah. drivers you want to touch on or, or maybe some that we're just not that excited about or do you want to save it for the playbook? Please don't play Cody Ware. <laughs> Probably Co uh, Corey LaJoy as well. No, he's starting a little too too high at the style of track. And by the way, if you like Justin Haley, there's no reason you shouldn't like A.J. Allmendinger. Just going to throw that out there. Well, really Haley started P29. Okay, but... I get Haley for a cash game, but in GPPs, there's no reason to dislike Allmendinger. I mean, I guess. By the way, DK Sportsbook still has the they have DK Sportsbook has them going off at the same odds to win. I still only have two bets on this race. A hundred to one for both of them. 
Oh, that's not bad. I would sprinkle a little bit on AJ Allmendinger. I'd probably sprinkle. Yeah, if he's going 100 to 1, I, I don't mind doing like 0.2 units on Allmendinger. Yeah, I mean, he's got longer odds than Sindrick, Graxon, Ty Gibbs. He's twice as long as Almarola. FanDuel Sportsbook, I posted this earlier in the Discord, but they had the starting finishing position of the winner uh, in 30, like basically 31 plus. So basically the drivers that were starting outside the top 30, they were still getting plus 650. And you're getting a guy, you're getting drivers like Chase Elliott, William Byron, uh, Tyler Reddick, and Eric Jones in that range. And if one of those four hit wins, then you're getting a nice little payday. Yeah, Briscoe's there too. That's not terrible. It's not terrible, but I would sprinkle no. a little bit on Almondinger. Why not? It's I don't hate it. For 100 to 1, that's fine. For a guy starting sixth? <laughs> like, um, by the way, don't expect as many cautions for Rex as we had at Daytona. They tend to not. Uh, happen all that much here unless guys blow a tire, but I don't suspect we're going to have quite as much tire issues. Yeah, this year. last year was an interesting race only because there were only the longest green flag run here was 18 laps. A lot of the cautions that were thrown were tire issues. Yes, uh, just very small things. There were obviously a few wrecks. There's going to be every week, but the excess of cautions was basically just like technical issues that cars were having. Like call, cars were stalling on the track and. Then we realize, like, oh, wow, if, if a car goes down with the flat, they basically have to get towed or pushed back to their pit. Yeah, and uh-huh. now they've since fixed the tire issue because it turns out it was teams cheating the PSI that was then bring <clears throat> up the sidewalls, and that doesn't really happen at this yeah. point anymore. Um, not to say that somebody can't go down with a flat on a high tire or a track. It can, but they've also figured out how to not um, have to pull out the equipment to get it off of the track. Um so, I would suspect there to be much longer green flag runs this year than there were uh, last year. Right. Did you want to add anything else, or are we just going to be on the lookout for the playbook later this afternoon? No, just be on the lookout for the playbook and projections uh, later Saturday afternoon. Obviously, this will be posted atop the playbook as well as be a standalone listen to wherever you get your podcasts. Um, core plays out Sunday. Um, and yeah, that's about, that's about it. This will be standard operating procedure for us for every quote unquote standard race outside of plate tracks. Um, just our way of bringing more informed discussion to you all, to you all rather than saying, because I haven't been on track yet. Um, on like a Wednesday. Um, so yeah, this will be uh, more so how it's operating the rest of the season. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you for Fontana and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.